Welcome to Feminist Coffee Hour. You can find us online at feministcoffeehour.com, on Twitter at femcoffeepod, or you can send us an email to feministcoffeehour at gmail.com. I'm Elizabeth. And I'm Karen. Karen M.A. Or is it M.S.? Ah, uh, M.A. Karen M.A. <laughs> M.A.B.N. Behavioral Neuroscience. Congratulations, Karen. Thank you. I have successfully defended my thesis, my master's thesis. Uh, yeah, I'm putting up the clap react on Zoom. We're, <laughs> if we sound different, we're recording on Zoom uh, instead of Skype. We might sound a little bit loopy, and that's because we are recording on Sunday, May 31st, in the evening, in the midst of wild uncertainty in the United States. Mm-hmm. For so many reasons, we are recording from COVID. We are recording from mass protests and police riots against protesters, uh, which I'm already putting my own little spin on. Um, But if you don't like that spin, you can listen to another podcast. (laughs) So yeah, we have no idea what the world will be like when you're listening to this podcast. None at all. When I recorded um, our interview with Melanie DeRigo, I was just like, okay, talk about COVID and talk about the election and see where we go. And then if you go back a couple episodes before that, Darcy Lockman also talking about the pandemic, made sense when it came out, still in a pandemic. I think the last one we recorded in normal times was the one with Catherine Stewart. By the time it came out, it was a little bit strange that we hadn't mentioned it, but it was before New York went into lockdown. So not too strange, but things are moving so fast and we don't have a very quick turnaround time if we had a ton more time and money we you know do a show that came out quicker but we don't but thank you to we have a new patron this month so thank you so much thank you and um we're glad for your support and we're happy to keep making this show for a long time podcasting is my creative outlet and a project to focus on i mean it's not just for me it's for you know Karen works on it too, and there's people who listen. But uh, I've always said it's so important to have a creative outlet, but I'm a little bit floored this month because it's hard to know what to say. Oh no, I'm speechless. Is this the end of podcasting? <laughs> Fortunately, I think we two Sagittariuses will find a way to find chat material. Hopefully it'll be something that our listeners want to hear. There's a lot of reflections. I think it's really fascinating to, I feel like a theme of this entire podcast is that we, you know, we both have some experience in organizing. Um, We both have experience in activism. We both have experience on the left side of the aisle uh, to various degrees of radicalism and kind of looking at everything with a critical eye in terms of like, like a literary criticism, critical eye, not um, everything is terrible, critical eye, but also when everything is terrible, don't shy away from that. (laughs) Being able to look at a new situation, something unprecedented with some experience, I hope that that's valuable to our listeners, even if we're not interviewing a PhD expert (laughs) or book author this month. Something about this feels different, and I'm not sure uh, why I think that. This current, like, Black Lives Matter organization yes. Yes. of protests? I've been to protests 
I have not been to any of the protests uh, in response to the killing of George Floyd, but uh, from what I've seen on Twitter and heard from friends of mine who have been there, I'm not sure how to explain it, but what I can say is that talking to friends and family members and people that I know, people who aren't exactly radical or leftists, or even people who weren't necessarily ready to say Black Lives Matter, people who would go, well, you know, isn't it all Lives Matter right now, are straight up like, get rid of racist cops, like fire them all, give them the death penalty. They're, they're mad. Reverse carceralism. <laughs> yes, something is different. I'm not sure what it is. Yeah, I'm so curious about what the difference is too. I think there's also a cumulative effect at some point. I think the first, I feel like, national Black Lives Matter protests that I went to were in response to the killing of Trayvon Martin. And I think that was one. At a certain point, white people have seen enough evidence on video of enough reasons why like a white person would get away with something even on a bad day that led to a black person getting murdered by the police and no conviction happening, nothing coming out of it. I was too young for the response to the um, Rodney King's killer's acquittal. So here's where it's like same, same, but different, you know? I've been to like a number of, of Black Lives Matter protests in response to extrajudicial killings by the police um, for minor infractions. And we've had enough time to see, you know, Pantaleo get off, like seemingly slapped on the wrist and then not. Uh, we've seen Zimmerman not just fade into obscurity, but build a brand off of being a murderer. I think at a certain point, people are really, like the All Lives Matter white folks, the, I think they're really starting to see that there are no consequences for murdering black people. And when that is, the, like the system is not going to be just, the system's not going to work. Um, and I think that there's been enough agitation and protest around making sure the media covers it when these miscarriages of justice occur that I think it's getting harder and harder to deny. And when you have a clear case of one man sitting on another man's neck for, was it eight and a half minutes until he died? Yeah, until he died is, is the key part there, yeah. I think there's just a point where even if you're a pacifist, you, once you see that pacifism is not working, what, what are you gonna do? Like, what can you do? I mean, I think pacifism has to be a tactic rather than an identity. Say more about that. I really, I really like that. And I, I want to hear, I want to hear you either say it again or say more about so it. So <laughs> pacifism is a tactic. It's a, it's a thing that you choose to do in a certain situation. I mean, this is just my opinion, but I think it's more effective if you're saying I'm choosing to act in a nonviolent way at this time. You're reserving your right to use violence at another time. Because this is just my, I guess, personal opinion, because when I was a child, one of my biggest issues with Catholicism was the whole idea of like, turn the other cheek. And I'm like, well, that's great for Jesus. Like he was divine. He was the son of God. I was like, but what about me? And at the time I was saying this, I was like, 
11 or 12 year old kid who had been picked on and like physically beaten by other children at school. Oh, I'm so sorry that happened. It's one of those things. It came out of it, you know, one piece, no permanent harm done. But I finally found some of my confidence when my parents took me to a karate class and somebody taught me how to hit back. And then when I did start to hit them back, the other kids were shocked and kind of stopped being picked on. And so I had my own, for an 11 or 12 year old lived experience. And then I had the church that I was a very strong believer of telling me another thing. And I had so much anguish over it, you know? And my parents were like, well, don't worry about it. You don't have to believe everything the church teaches. That didn't really sit well with me, but at the time I just tried to muddle through. But as an adult, I mean, what I would say is that nonviolence is a tactic. Pacifism is a tactic. It's something that you can choose to do. It's something that in the Bible, Jesus chose to do. It's something that Gandhi and MLK chose to do, but they could choose to do something else at another time. And that's what made it powerful. If you make it your identity to say, I'm a pacifist now and forever, I'm never ever going to do anything else. Then your oppressors know that there are no consequences to harming you. And there's a difference between self-defense and initiating violence and initiating a physical attack. And like what you said, you know, the police, what did you say? The police caused violence, the police violence against protesters, the police, Oh, police riots. <laughs> the police riots, yeah. It's difficult to put all things that are called riots on the same level. I was at UMass Amherst during the 2004 World Series, and I saw students like throw bricks at police officers because their team won a game. And that had a profound influence on the way I thought about the police and the way I thought about sports for a long time. And I think that experience stopped me from seeing police brutality for a year or two because I saw them provoked for no reason and attacked for no reason. Right. And then, you know, on the other hand, Kelly Freeman, who was a guest on our show a few years ago, works for uh, NARAL in Ohio, was at a Black Lives Matter rally in Columbus yesterday. And she was volunteering in the medic tent with uh, her child and she said, I left at noon because I saw the cops put on their gas masks. Why were the cops putting on gas masks like in preparation to throw tear gas at people? And the, the idea that you know one should watch the cops for when they put on gas masks to know when to leave a protest is very alarming to me. And you know, it kind of lends support to what you said, like the police inside, incited riots. Well, we also have so many videos now nationally of so many different police departments in which we see videos of unprovoked attacks by the police, unprovoked escalation by the police, uh, firing rubber bullets at people who are complying with demands with their hands up. I saw one video of a police officer pull down a protester's face mask to spray pepper spray in his respiratory area. When he had his hands up and he wasn't doing anything. While his hands were up, the, the cop came at him, pulled the mask down and sprayed him. I've seen a video of NYPD dooring somebody uh, on purpose. And if you don't know what dooring is, I'm somebody who rides a bike to commute. 
storing is my biggest nightmare, which is usually used to mean when somebody opens their door without looking into the road uh, and hitting a cyclist and knocking them into the street. But uh, in this instance, the door was opened on purpose to purposefully hit a nonviolent protester as the car drove past. Um, I've seen, uh, I saw a video of a horse trampling a protester on purpose coming from behind them. I have seen an NYPD officer push a nonviolent protester to the concrete who has reportedly had a seizure since then. Uh, after hitting her head on the concrete, I've seen so many videos of people saying press, 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 getting arrested. I've seen videos of people who were pressed getting shot at with rubber bullets. And tear gas, press getting tear gas, tear gas, press getting thrown to the ground and, and you know, like roughly handcuffed. Yeah, press saying like, we're filming, tell me where to go, tell me where to go, and then getting arrested. Yeah, that's the thing, like we're going to call all of these things a riot, like a bunch of mass holes throwing bricks at cops because their team one is a riot, police inciting violence on protesters because I don't know why the police do that, that's a riot, and then like, you know, we had a situation where like, you know, one like bad apple protester throws a water bottle and then the tear gas comes out and that's a riot. And then we have situations where it looks like neo-Nazis and white supremacist groups, it looks like that on May 31st, are infiltrating these groups and starting the violence themselves. Maybe they're co-intelpro, like who the hell knows who these people are. I and really, then that's also I want to talk more about that. Yeah, no, but I'm saying like the things that we call a riot and the things that we call violence are such a broad category that to say I'm a pacifist or I choose nonviolence, it's not clear what that even necessarily means in this. There is no, it seems like there is no nonviolent choice at this point. Right. You're either violent by supporting the status quo or you're violent in opposing it. Mm -hmm. Um, and it just really depends on what your perspective of justice is. And for this podcast, I think we know which side we're on. You want to talk about the, the people infiltrating. The, the one, one thing before we get to that was just um, something that Cornell West said when he was with a group of interfaith clergy at Charlottesville, which is that, you know, we're a bunch of ministers and priests and rabbis and of clerics of various faiths. And we're here like, to help people and minister to people and fight white supremacy. And he said like, Antifa saved our lives from Nazis. And so was those Antifa people punching Nazis to save like an interfaith pacifist coalition? Was that violence? And if they're not pacifists, like I can't call that bad because it's not pacifism. I think the idea that pacifism is inherently good in and of itself is an idea that needs to be more examined. But let's talk about the, the white supremacists infiltrating the, the... Wait, but now I want to talk more about okay. this. <laughs> so what do you want to say about that? Just, yeah, I mean, I think, I think that you really touched on something really, like a deep kind of philosophical question around um, right-wing libertarian gotcha of being intolerant of intolerance, um, like, oh, so much for the tolerant left <laughs> kind of uh, reclaimed meme. <laughs> but like, you know, why, why you say that you embrace all 
ideologies, but you won't let me wear my swastika to your Black Lives Matter protest. It's not the gotcha you think you've got, <laughs> you know? <laughs> it's like, yeah, there are some things that like, you're just not allowed to do. You're not allowed to trample on anybody. I'm sorry, like, don't tread on us either. <laughs> Please, no steppy. <laughs> I don't know why. That was the first like don't tread on me meme that I saw that like was too funny for me. Was that that adorable little snake face saying, please no steppy. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> no, I mean, I think you're right. I think part of my gradual move to the left has definitely been because of memes. I think, you know, every dank meme stash group I join on Facebook brings me, you know, closer to communism. I mean, I'm still pretty much a social democrat, but like that's you know, memes are powerful and like they turn people into Nazis. So I'm glad we have some of our own to turn people into communists. Yeah, but I'm also so fascinated around that because the radicalized by memes leftists, I think are equally as superficially convinced as the radicalized by memes nazis yeah that's why i'm not a communist right now like because like <laughs> it, it makes it sound and then i think about it for more and like i have lots of questions and like a show i want to do eventually is i want to get someone on does anyone know you know like like mexi or like jamie peck to talk about like someone who's to our left a little or a lot talk about like the intersection of either socialism or communism and feminism and like just kind of like dig dig into it a little bit that's definitely a conversation i'd like to have in the future they'll probably call us neoliberals that's fine <laughs> i mean i would say up front like where we are and what we want to know and what we're interested in and then it would be up to you know that individual person if they'd, they'd like to talk to us i mean i definitely was a neoliberal i like you know i was never conservative i was never libertarian I can feel that pull. I understand why libertarianism is appealing to people. I think most of the people that I know who were Republicans in their youth are now like left libertarian types, like Yang Yang-ish. But <laughs> sorry, I'm it's sorry. Okay. It's I'm okay. sorry. I take you seriously. I'm shaking my head. No <laughs> you can't. This joke doesn't really carry as well via the medium of podcast. I understand that. Um, no, I, I do I do understand what you're saying, that memes don't necessarily make for our deep political analysis. So um, the white supremacists are infiltrating Black Lives Matter protests. What did you want to say about that? Well, so here's the thing. There's a few things going on with this claim for which there's like some apparent evidence and some claims by government officials that I'm less inclined to, I don't want to say agree with, but that I feel like we need to have a more critical response to. Because the accusation of like infiltrated by outsiders with outside agendas um, or like foreign governments with outside agendas, because I have heard about like, oh, Russia seizing on racial tension in America. There's reason i think to be skeptical of that claim for the purposes of increasing enforcement and so when you know a governor comes out and says well we're going to crack down on this because not because we disagree with the protests we're cracking down because of these bad actors from 
outside the state who are really white supremacists and we really hate white supremacy and that's why you can't march for Black Lives Matter. You know, that's where I start to get like a skeptical simultaneously holding in mind, you know, because I have this kind of like dual consciousness about it and I can hold both of these things in mind at the same time. The the obvious video from the Minneapolis AutoZone. Yeah, the umbrella. uh, That white man just kind of casually sneaking in, smashing up windows and sneaking out uh, or attempting to casually sneak out and somebody got a tiny view of from his nose to his eyebrows. <laughs> There's the video of the cops flashing the white power signal, uh, the NYPD. Tish James's office said that they're going to investigate that. I don't know if anything will come of it, but... But Tish James, I don't know. I've completely lost all faith in all governance in New York. <laughs> <laughs> Governor Cuomo hates Bill de Blasio, so maybe, you know, he'll tell her to do it. So My ass. I hate Cuomo, too. I hate them both. I think that if Cuomo were Republican, everybody would be losing their shit over his nepotism. Everybody's in a dick measuring contest from de Blasio to Cuomo to Trump, and they're all measuring their dicks against each other. They all hate each other. None of them are ever going to help one another, but they all kind of need one another. And they all hate that. And so they're all just working as fast as they can to screw us all over so that they can say that their dick is bigger than each other's and I'm over it. I'm just fucking over it. You fuckers won't elect a woman and I'm pissed about it. Uh, You fuckers being the masses. (laughs) No, I've been saying for uh, quite some time that someone needs to just like send Bill de Blasio and Andrew Cuomo each a ruler and then they can like figure out what's going on down there and then like get um, solution with the best <laughs> for them to have the same size genitalia <laughs> just cut them off cut them both off balls too get it all gone you're gonna make the homosexuals mad at you Karen. girl he's not hot get over it we are going to have a talk, you and me, you fuckers, <laughs> you homosexual fuckers. <laughs> we're going to have, we're going to have to put an E on this episode. I'm off the cuff on this episode. This is me. Let's not maybe ignore, let's just not talk about the institution that gave me that MA. <laughs> These opinions are my own. This is not at all my institution's opinions. <laughs> I don't know if I can run for city council now if I'm on a podcast advocating the violent castration of the mayor. I don't know, actually. New York City? You, <laughs> the mayor being Bill de Blasio? <laughs> Does anyone here like Bill de Blasio? No. I think you're fine. I think you could run on a platform of castrating Bill de Blasio. I think, I think people just were like, they didn't like Anthony Weiner and like Christine Quinn was a woman and a neoliberal. So they just, you know, what I wanted to say about the idea of like outside actors is it's just this quote from courthouse news because you have to read down a few paragraphs before you get to the actual information that people are, are referring to. And it's about Minnesota and uh, specifically I think St. Paul, and it says, Department of Safety Commissioner John Harrington said they are contact tracing the arrested and added that an investigation is underway about white nationalist groups posting online to encourage their members to use the protests as a cover to create chaos. He said some of the 40 arrests made in the Twin Cities Friday night were of people linked to white supremacist groups and organized crime. So it seems like what I can see from my living room on, on my phone looking at Twitter 
and from what a lot of Black Lives Matter organizers have been saying on Twitter, there's something fishy going on. The government is onto it. They're investigating it. I don't know what they'll, they will or they won't find, but I think that you raise a good point that we shouldn't let this quash the protests because they're being infiltrated. We just have to be wary about it and it has to be a part of the messaging. Because I had a friend to me said to me, said to me something like, well, what does the average suburban voter think about this? And I was like, fuck them, I don't care. But part two has to be, well, if we had a couple of good op-eds and hashtags and like PR, we could explain to them that a lot of the violence is being done by neo-Nazis and the average suburban voter does not like Nazis. And I think it's important the way that we talk about this. And my worry is that it's getting too complicated, you know, because you have Black Lives Matter, you have the police, you have neo-Nazis infiltrating, and then you possibly also, I don't doubt that whatever the 2020 iteration of the Internet Research Agency is, is already on this, stirring shit. Like, they can't be a reason to quash the protests. But when people are like, I can't tell, is it like crazy manarchists, you know, like douche bro men, anarchists, or is it neo-Nazis, or is it COINTELPRO, or is it NYPD? Like, I made a comment on Reddit, like, it's probably all of the above. Why not? Yeah, why not all of the above? All of the above. And I think that if you're not paying attention, that might be too complicated a story. Like, okay, the average person can probably understand, like, the cops killed an unarmed Black person, and then this is the reaction. And then some people are violent, and then some of those people are Nazis. But some of them might be anarchists, and some of them might be the FBI, and some of them might be, you know, the cop. Like, it's getting, you're st- it's starting to sound crazy, but it's not, because the truth is often complicated. I have no idea how this is going to be written in the history books, but it is complicated, I think. Right. I think also that what you're describing right now is that it doesn't sound as crazy as I think it used to sound. I think now that we know basically how our government treated even Martin Luther King, how our government treated Black activists during integration, I think people are more willing to accept the idea that there are bad faith actors, especially when we have video of almost all of these like bad actions being done by white people, like white people. We have video of black activists discouraging white activists from spray painting and the white activists or or potentially bad actors or potentially just ignorant kids saying like, don't police my expression, you know? It's really hard to tell. Like, are these clueless white leftists or are they Nazis? I don't know. Like, I watched that video. (laughs) This is how I feel about these superficially radicalized meme kids is that it's very hard to tell the difference because their actions are superficial. Yeah, it's frustrating. I think that if you're new to this, you should go on YouTube and watch ContraPoint's video, How to Recognize a Fascist. It will help you. So that's where, that's where we are right now on uh, May 31st. So Karen, I think that some people will say... Who are you calling Karen? <laughs> I was going to talk about the sign. There's a picture going viral of a white woman in an Andrew Yang shirt holding up a sign that says, Karen's Against Police Brutality. So I wanted to know, as a Karen, what do you think about that? As a Karen, 
official Karen. Yeah, I don't know. White people need to grow thicker skin. This particular Karen, it's cute. I'm glad it's going viral. So this also relates to kind of the the neoliberal thing, because I do believe in strategic neoliberalism to convince or radicalize neoliberals (laughs) or centrists. So I've definitely used strategic neoliberalism as a debate tactic for a concept that I believe is morally based. So I I think in a similar way, the uh, viral sign of the, I guess, social justice Karen, the only people who ask me how I feel about Karen memes are white people, which is another thing that I think is funny because people of color have no problem saying Karen around me because they know it's my job to have a thick skin because like literally (laughs) this is the first time who I, well, there are definitely ways where who I am or an identity I can't change. I can change my name, AVOL, just like people can quit being cops. Just putting that out there. Uh, (laughs) I can change my name if I felt really offended by it. Who I am is more than Karen. Also, like, I know the circumstances of how I got the name Karen. It's not like a family name. So, like, it's not like anything tied to any sort of importance in any member of my family's life. Uh, It was chosen very nearly at random for me. My name has no significance. Uh, My middle names have more of a significance. And I also come from a family where people change their names all the time. My brother is really struggling at uh, figuring out our family history <laughs> because people change their names a lot. I'm going to co-sign anyone listening to this podcast. If you have a friend who's like, no, Karen's a slur, I'm going to tell you straight from the Karen's mouth, say Karen with abandon. <laughs> Call white women Karen's with abandon. I will not ask to speak to your manager about it. Can we talk about how it's been co-opted? Yeah, I mean... And it was talking about a certain type of white woman or sometimes white feminism that was being racist, uh, specifically anti-Black, not always necessarily. And now it's being used in all kinds of ways. Like I tweeted this the other day. I was on Twitter and in... No, I think it was on Reddit. And in like five minutes... I saw two different people call someone a Karen, one person for wanting to enforce social distancing guidelines and one person for not wanting to obey social distancing guidelines. They were both called Karen. So like, what does that even mean? Exactly what it means when any feminine coded insult comes out, you can't have nuance. There are no types of women. There's just not men and the variety of people who have populated the earth. <laughs> but like they're, for misogynists, they're not going to capture the nuance. Like what a joke. I think this is kind of similar to my issue with people who hated Elizabeth Warren's candidacy around or pointed out that Elizabeth Warren had a really slow and messed up history around claiming Native American ancestry. So Like, yes, when Native Americans bring this up, when people who have a history of showing their empathy with the struggles of First Nations peoples 
bring this up. I have full respect for them. Um, and I think that they bring up extremely valid criticisms, even though that was my candidate. And it's something that I had to question, like, am I in a position morally to pardon somebody for this when this is not my background? And then there's the people who are like, yeah, I love the Redskins, but also Warren, blah, 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 snake. I don't have, like, for those people, like, screw them. Like, you can take something that's valid and use it in an invalid way. That's true. Like, the people who throw neuroscience around like it's better than psychology because there's a picture of a brain that goes next to it, you know? It's like they're actually the same study. Just one took a picture while they did it. There's a strong validity to doing that kind of neuroscience research, but it's not used properly by keyboard warriors. Speaking of STEM lords, Neil deGrasse Tyson tweeted something today that I couldn't help but comment on. That, you know, if people could, like, see what the Earth looked like from space, they'd feel kinship with all of humanity and i just responded like fascists don't and won't see it that way and that's why they're fascists and i think that that's a beautiful sentiment but the problem is he thinks that it's easy to change those people's minds or that like hardened nazis have never heard anything like that he thinks that they don't believe what they really believe how could you be governed by the current president and still say that without cynicism. It's so strange. Like, there must be something about, like, May 30th or May 31st for, like, STEM words to, like, come out. Because in my Facebook memories, it was, like, you know, rest in peace, Stephen Hawking. But he had come out in 2016, in May of 2016, and said, I don't understand why people like Donald Trump. And I just was like, stay in your lane, dude. You're not a sociologist. You're not a political scientist. Like, stick to physics. Like, if you don't get it, stick to physics. It can't help you. Yet here I am commenting on politics. <laughs> Look, our Patreon makes double digit numbers per episode for us to talk about this. So clearly the market demands it. <laughs> the invisible hand. <laughs> yes. It's just like slightly tapping us to talk about politics. Although to be fair, I feel like the same justification could be made for Jordan Peterson's career your face. I'm so sorry I said that. <laughs> For us, it's valid. You can use a valid argument to make an invalid case. We, like, I wonder the whole thing. <laughs> if in two weeks, like, we'll know if he's alive or not. Like, who Will knows? Will we? But I hope that you are listening to this episode and that you are safe and well. Deeply. You know, I, I don't know who all our listeners are, but, you know, I'm grateful y'all are here listening to me ramble. And, um, if you want to send us any feedback, please uh, send us a tweet or send us an email. We'd love to hear from you. Uh, we'd love to hear how you're doing and what's going on. And we have some interesting episodes coming up for you. Definitely. So enjoy enjoy your COVID summer. Yeah, some some more topical than not, but yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. I mean, everything. Yeah. I think everything we do is topical, but some are more, let's say, politically topical than not. And you can find me on Twitter at Miss Cherry Pie. And you can find me at uh, Karen, although my feed right now is mostly just retweeting protest tweets. That's useful. That's good. We'll see what it is in two weeks. All right. We'll stay safe out there. Yeah. Enjoy. Hopefully there's still an internet for us to disseminate this on. And the United States, maybe. We'll see.
Less, I, I don't want to say I hope for that, though. <laughs> you hope there will be or you hope there won't be? I don't know. I don't know that I have strong feelings either way, but I definitely hope there's still an internet and I can say that confidently. <laughs> You've been listening to the Feminist Coffee Hour podcast, tackling political rumors from the feminist outer boroughs of New York City. If you like our podcast, please support us at our Patreon, which you can find at www.patreon.com slash feminist coffee hour, or, you know, do a Google for Patreon and feminist coffee hour. Our patrons get early releases of episodes, plus other cool perks at higher levels. If you can't support us financially, you can always give us a five-star rating on iTunes and write us a review as it helps the algorithm know we're there and that people like us, like you. Our intro and outro music is Making It Hard by Bridget Ellsworth, and you can find her music on SoundCloud.